welcome to the AEW Match Guide podcast, where we deep dive into the best matches in AEW history. Brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network and your host, Sam Brown. Yes, hello and welcome to the AEW Match Guide podcast. I'm your host, Sam Brown. Thank you for joining me. Every week, alongside a special guest, I take an in-depth look at one of the best matches in AEW history taken from the definitive AEW match guide as ranked by over 30 wrestling commentators from around the internet wrestling community. If you enjoy the show today, you can subscribe and rate it on your podcast app of choice and make sure you check out all of the other great shows on the Social Suplex Podcast Network covering all the aspects of the world of pro wrestling. My guest for today is one of the pillars of the Social Suplex Podcast Network from One Nation Radio. It's James Boyd. And we're looking at the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros, Escalera de la Muerte, for the AAA World Tag Team titles at All Out 2019. How are you going today, James? I'm doing all right, man. I'm doing all right. Um, I rewatched this match literally like less than five minutes ago, and it's still incredible. It, Great it way to start amazing. the day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you like you like your intro there, Pillar of Pillar of the Social Suplex Podcast Network? You part me. <laughs> I laughed. I saw you that. <laughs> what's the what's the thing they've got now? There's like the four pillars of AEW, and then you've got like what the killers or something's like the next thing I think I've saw, saw people talking about. Who are the killers of the Social Suplex Podcast Network? If it's like obviously you, Rich, Young Boy, and Jeremy, you're the pillars. <laughs> okay, so I guess that would mean you. See, well, now it's going to get into a situation where now people are going to have, like, take offense if I if I mention, if I mention or don't mention them. But th- just for the sake of it, I'll say Floyd would be a killer. I would say you would be a killer, um, especially because, like, the killer thing is from AEW. So, so you, y'all have yeah. AEW shows, so we'll go with that um, just to, you know, get myself out of trouble. Um, and then, you know, the rest of the grabs between Grave Consequences and um, Groman Wash that shit or Wash that shit and whoever else, like um, – you you tell me who else you want to be in your stable before. <laughs> Look, I'm staying out. Good politics. No, 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 no. You put it on, no, you put it on me, so now I'm putting it back on you. Like, yeah, you no. don't like have to her, do you? I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. <laughs> okay. okay. Y'all so, figure out who the other two are. <laughs> we'll leave that to the we'll leave that to the group chat. So <laughs> okay. um so James, as I ask everyone on here, a lot of the listeners who probably listen to One Nation Radio know this, but for those who don't, um, how did you get into AEW? Oh man, I, I mean, I as a kid I watched wrestling as long as I could remember, and then around the time that uh, Triple H beat The Rock at WrestleMania uh, 16 or 2000, whichever one you call it, like I was like, that's dumb. Like The Rock is like the a, a, a mega star, a rock star, and, and Triple H is a, is a guy. Uh, with a great body, but just a guy. Uh, this is dumb. I stopped watching wrestling for about a decade. And then um, Rock and Cena, the, the bill for that to get to uh, once in a lifetime and uh, com- combined with the pipe bomb kind of got me back full time. By that point in time, I started watching um, WrestleManias. Uh, so, um, yeah, that that got me back. And, you know, over time, like my, my wrestling fandom has changed. I got into New Japan after watching Wrestle Kingdom 9. Um, and then I was like, and then Wrestle Kingdom 10 is in like, in 12 and all those other match shows and big shows and uh, Dominion, whatever else and G ones. And I was so impressed by Kenny Omega. And then I saw that he was in his group with, with Cody and with the young bucks. And I was like, the young bucks are a great tag team. They're not necessarily my cup of tea at the time, but I've grown to, I've grown to like, just, they're just the best tag team I've ever seen. Like just as many matches as they've they done, like, are they my necessary, my, I can't even talk necessarily my cup of tea, 
No, but like the matches are the matches and like it's staggering what they've been able to accomplish in the time they've done it. So for me, like I think they're the greatest tag team I've ever seen and the Lucha Bros at this point would be like the number two team. So getting AEW was like simple for me. It's like watching all the stuff they've done uh, between the, the elite to getting to AEW. Then you have Jericho, you have Jim Ross. Let's go. That mm. that was enough for me to say I'm, I'm with this. When I can describe myself as a diehard fan the way that Rich did on the podcast, probably <laughs> not. But here I am covering the, the, uh, their shows every single week. So maybe I'm just lying to myself. <laughs> it's funny how, you know, when you start getting into WWE, you hear about like these fans who don't like WWE anymore and they like other stuff. <laughs> and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, that seems a bit snobby, whatever. And then four years later you're doing a podcast about the other stuff <laughs> oh man like one nation radio's um 10-year anniversary is this year like it's september sometime and when we started it was sport it was basically supposed to be like our version of sports radio plus um plus wrestling and if you had told me at the time when on the intro show when we're going over our, our 10 favorite wrestlers that like i would go from like only watching WWE and scoffing at the idea of, of watching Japanese wrestling or watching indie wrestling to where now like I'm watching Japanese indies women's wrestling. <laughs> yeah. it's, the game has changed. The game is, <laughs> my my whole my whole get down has completely changed. Um, I and I gotta say like I'm glad that I'm glad that I decided to you know look for the wrestling that I wanted. I'm much more happier on a daily basis with pro wrestling now compared to like, I don't know, 2018 where I'm just like the only people, the only thing that like makes any sense to me right now in America is, is new is NXT. Um, mm. so yeah, like I'm, I'm much happier now, yeah, even though I wish there were, I wish there were more like, you know, really good American pro wrestling going on, like with storyline driven stuff, whatever else. But like I have a W I have my, so I enjoy that, but like I can fill the rest out with like just, Tons of, of, of Japanese wrestling. Because <laughs> there's yeah. tons of it around to watch and consume. Yeah, I yeah agree completely. Well, obviously, I agree completely <laughs> being a ho- the host of an AEW podcast that, you know, it's it's nice to not even be like 50-50 on a promotion, just be able to like pretty much overwhelmingly enjoy what's going on. Um, And that's that's a great thing. And I can't say it was, you know, we're, we would you know, going back and forth. We've gone back and forth for many oh, years man. now. And like, See, you, David, you're bringing it up. I was going to leave no, it alone. Not... <laughs> it, 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 was, it, was, it was tough for you to let go of that narcotic. It really was. I was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was tough. <laughs> you're like the person who sat beside me on the bed as I was going through the withdrawals. Uh, anyway. <laughs> Look, let's get on to the good shit now. Okay. <laughs> Um, we are, as I said, we are talking about the the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Bros, Escalera de la Muerte for the AAA World Tag Team Titles from All Out 2019. As we always do here on the AW Match Guide, we'll give this match its flowers. Dave Meltzer gave it 5.25 stars. This is the first AW match that was that broke five stars for Dave Meltzer. Cage match currently has it rated at 9.13. And when we did the match guide back in 2021, this came in fifth. That was the second highest tag team match. The third highest, if you count Stadium Stampede as a tag team match. It really depends on that one, what you'd call it. Look, this is a match that didn't have a lot of build in terms of 
outside of the ring stuff. Uh, obviously, these two teams faced off at Double or Nothing 2019, which is a match you can actually hear reviewed on the Match Guide podcast, um, back with Jeremy Donovan a number of weeks ago, but that's back in the feed. Uh, in between, though, uh, there was not a whole lot in terms of what was going on off screen. Uh, there was, or outside of the ring, I should say. Um, mostly things on BTE and the Road 2 series that they were doing because they didn't have a weekly product at the time. I guess they just didn't have the the need to fill up lots and lots of time. So um, there was obviously a trios match between Omega, um, between the Young Bucks and Omega and Laredo Kid and the Lucha Bros. Uh, the Lucha Bros also attacked the Young Bucks after the Young Bucks beat Cody and Dustin. Uh, and then there was, of course, just your standard BTE skits. There was a lot made on BTE about uh, <laughs> about the Young Bucks making fun of climbing up ladders and being completely incapacitated and crawling along the ground uh, super slowly. James, what did you think of the build-up to this match? And, and also, I guess, the matches bef- that came before uh, before this one. Um, I thought it was okay. Yeah. It's a it's an ongoing issue with AEW that still continues to this day when it comes to uh, foreign talent or or more specifically like talent that does not speak uh, as a as a native language uh, English um, as far as being very very you know by the numbers and in you know just basically waiting to get the match in the ring and then they'll you know they'll show the personality and character uh, if you will from that from that perspective so. Um, I mean, it's kind of par for the course, but, uh, you know, it was their sec- probably their second or third biggest match on that particular pay-per-view. And I, I think, you know, I think they're uh, at that point in time with the company, they were OK with selling you, you know, matches that are big steps or dream matches, if you will. And letting and worrying about the stuff, worrying about build and that sort of thing um, for their main event scene or whatever else. So singles for the singles uh, division, male singles division. So. I would have liked a little bit more, but, you know, the payoff was so spectacular. Like, you look back on it, it's like, so? At points. Like, and, you know, I'm, I'm really big, especially with WWE uh, at times when they're actually, when they give you a big match, it's like, I'm willing to to overlook um, mm. a less spectacular build. Like, not everything needs to be Jericho and Moxley if I get a great match um, at the end all be all, because what you're selling me on is the, is the match. It's interesting you mentioned the foreign language thing because this was before, obviously before Alex Abrahantes was a was a thing for this team, uh, and they actually had a couple of times where they would cut promos in Spanish, uh, and I think they had subtitles. But I feel like with someone like Pentagon, he's just so charismatic and and shows so much even through a mask. That like just having him ranting in Spanish is captivating. As long as obviously you're not going to do it for too long, um, but it it looks menacing. It seems menacing, uh, and I personally think that with Penta you could just have him ranting in ranting in Spanish and it would be fine. I'm not sure what that would be like for a you know a mainstream audience over in America, but I I don't know. For me, it works. Uh, that works. Yeah, I mean. You can look at other examples um, of it working. Like, who's not? Who doesn't love when Oscar cuss pe- cusses people out in Japanese? Yeah, <laughs> she's done Absolutely. it for years in WWE, and yeah. she's one of their more one of their more um, light stars in that division over the over over the past few years. Um, so yeah, like I think there are ways where I feel like we overstate like the the that that part the language mm. barrier because it's like 
especially AEW, WWE is a little different because the audience is different. But like, if you are a hardcore wrestling fan and you and you watch AEW, that means you, I'm pretty sure you've watched the Rey Mysterio Juniors, the uh, the best of the Super Juniors, like Super mm. J Cup level '90s guys that, that you know that you saw as cruiserweights in WCW and whatnot. So like, you respect them off of their skill level, and obviously you want to be more uh, uh, broad reaching if you can. Mm. But if most of the crowd is rocking with it then, like, that's what mostly matters. Mm. Um, and I think AEW understands that, I, but I think they're more okay with playing it safe uh, when it comes to um, when it comes to uh, native, or, sorry, uh, foreign talent. So, mm. you know, I, I, I can, I kind of, you know, the Riho thing was an eye-opener for me. Like, I, th- I think for a lot of people in AEW, where it's like, okay, so, like, she's, 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 she's basically destroying NXT. And, mm. like, she, not, only does, not only is there, like, a language barrier, they're like, she doesn't even talk. Even in yeah. Japanese, it's like, all right, well, I that should be the lesson that should be learned is like is a bit overstated. But mm. you know, if you keep it simple, I'm I'm okay with a build being very very simple mm. and into the vest. If you have a great match for me, I, I'm I'm that's why I like NXT a lot. It was like yep. they're not about to go out here and like and, and put spray out all this stuff and have to reel it back in and try to make sense mm. of it. Um, just give me something simple, organized, and go nuts uh, mm. when the bell rings. Yep. Obviously, we're here to talk about the Escalera de la Wamo. I'm just going to say the ladder match from now on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> My Australian tongue just doesn't doesn't seem to, to fit around that word. Uh, we're here to talk about the it's ladder the match. Morning. It's the morning. It's the morning. Yeah. Um, but but what did you think of the, the two matches that these two teams had beforehand in AEW? So, obviously, the, the match at Double or Nothing and then the trios match that they were both involved in at uh, Fighter Fest. Well, you remember I mean, who was in the uh, the match with the Young Bucks? It was, it was Elite versus Lucha Bros and Laredo Kid. That's right. That's right. Mm. Okay. Um, they have great chemistry, but uh, it was cool to see Laredo Kid in in AEW at the time. Uh, but it, as far as the the tag team match uh for the uh AAA tag titles uh from Double or Nothing, I thought it was a I thought it was a great match. I you know this was early Lucha Bros when like they just would not care what rick knox was saying to them as far as like direction for tag wrestling they get in there and they would tag in and out they would some sometimes they both be in the ring and they tag sometimes they would be in the wrong corner they'd be in a neutral corner and try to tag each other in they did not care uh but outside of those glaring plot holes <laughs> and the story to try to tell during the ring like the action was incredible um and you know they're just there's you know i i think i've heard rich say that like the young books are like the most plug and play act and um in pro wrestling and like the lucha bros are right there with them when it comes to that like mm. y- if you want to go out here and have baby faces and pearl they can do it if you want to go go out there and just have a chop fest brawl they could do that if you want to go out here and air it out well ray phoenix is one of the best flyers ever mm. so yeah um i'm i i'm a belief that like you know barring somebody getting injured in the middle of their, of their matches like they're always going to have basically classes mm. whenever they have a big match uh, I certainly agree. Like this was, it was a great way to introduce what they want tag team wrestling to be in AEW, like a high profile featured att- attraction that gets heaps of time and is spectacular to watch. Uh, you know, that that's pretty much sums up that match. And that's exactly what it's gone on to be as well, which is fantastic. Um, so it was a great, <clears throat> a great way to introduce a new audience uh, to these two teams. that would be, you know, really, high profile in the division 
Uh, and it was a great way to introduce them to what tag team wrestling was going to be in AEW. Uh, and this match um, that we're about to get onto just continues on that trajectory. Tra- on that, on that thing, on down that road, man. Early in the morning, my my mouse just not working, James. <laughs> you gonna have to help me out at some point, probably. Hey, <laughs> it's okay. It's understandable. You're a parent. Yes. <laughs> um. So we get to the actual match at All Out. Uh, it's the second last match of the night. Uh, it starts out with a video package, really serviceable video package, kind of really reminiscent of the, you know, a lot of the great ones that you, they used to do in the WWE, you know, great song behind it, highlights of previous matches, emphasizing the stakes of that this match is for who is the best tag team in the world at the time. Uh, with the Young Bucks, obviously, they started in the promotion saying that they want tag team wrestling to be a featured part of AEW. They want to bring tag team wrestling to the main event almost. And and also claiming that they have been the best tag team for at least the last five years. And then, but the Lucha Bros, obviously they're the hottest thing going around at the moment. So um, the emphasis on this is that like, this is, this is the one, this is for the best in the world tag. And there's a great, a great line in it by Matt Jackson, where he says, um, Lucha Bros will see if that catchphrase of yours is really true when you're standing at the top of a 12-foot ladder. James, what did you think of the video package to start with? I thought it was good. I thought that I thought that it laid bare like what the story was, especially later on in the match uh, towards the the closing stretch of it. Um, as far as like, what are you willing to do to the? What are you willing to do as far as danger escalating in the matches? And like, we're going to see about Sarah about Sarah Mero. Like we yeah, really are like absolutely. um like there's some stuff that happened like the Jacksons died like they yeah. died twice. <laughs> um, of course, in the in the arena, Lucha Bros out first. Phoenix in their black and white gear, Penta in like a black and blue look. Um, some really cool looking gold kimonos. These two, this team always looks really good. I think the black and white's like my favorite of their gear, um, which they wore, they both wore it all out and Phoenix is still wearing, sorry, at, at double or nothing and Phoenix is still wearing. Um, but Penta still looks great in this sort of black and blue get up. And then the Bucks come out with fake masks on with deer horns coming out of them. Their music says super kick fiesta. Uh, and they have pesos coming out instead of bucks, apparently. Um, not you can really tell on TV, but, you know, in, in the audience, that would have been a, a, something to, for people to get a nice kick out of. You know, the Young Bucks can't even help. They're meant to be like the the faces of this division, and they can't just – they just can't help being jerks <laughs> when, they're, yeah. when they're coming out here. Yeah, um, I think they leaned – I think they – especially from, from the start when he spit on them I, or spit at them, like they were leaning heel on purpose. Like, you know, and you, you watch one, by the time you get to the finish of the match, like that, that was a clear intent. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. um, but yeah, like they came out. They had the terrible-looking <laughs> – the terrible looking ma- over mask on uh, with, the, with the antlers and I don't know it, it, it just looked bad but uh, you had that but like um, also the gear their gear uh, it was you know how they normally have the, the money with their face on it and their dollars mm. but this was actually like peso so that was funny mm. uh, that was a nice touch um, and uh, as far as I don't know why they did this I, I, I have never heard a good explanation but like when Lucha Bros came out and they had like the com- the black and gold kimonos on, and they basically had like Shogun armor, mat, like mask on mm. for over mask. I was like, that was a cool touch, but I don't know why, but whatever. We're here now. 
It looks good. Sometimes that's all about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, just on note, commentary, JR and Excalibur, obviously. And then there's esports commentator Alex Mendez, Golden Boy. I think this and Fighter Fest, they're the only times he actually appears on AEW, at least in the English version. I imagine he probably speaks Spanish. But, yeah, interesting, interesting note there. They're kind of like finding their way. Um, I think yeah. Tony Schiavone signed on around about this time. So um, I'm not sure. I know Golden Boy, he's an, as I said, he's an esports commentator, so it's possible he wasn't able to do the weekly thing. And it's funny, Tony was just in the crowd at the double or nothing match. It's it's an interesting how they're sort of still finding their way. You know, they're a few weeks out from starting Dynamite at this point, but, you know, they're still ironing out the kinks and working out what, what their presentation is going to look like. Can I make Go a on. quick comment about that? Yeah. Like, what a guy St. Tony Schiavone was. Oh, is. yeah. Because, mm. like, while, like, uh, Golden Boy is is a lot better than Marvez is at the job, like, the the part where, like, <laughs> the part where Jim Ross is, like, flabbergasted is what, he, what he's watching from, like, basically every three minutes. And, <laughs> and Excalibur is like, yeah, keep up. Uh, well, he doesn't yeah. say that, but like the idea is like I'm with it. Like, yeah, we're past his part. Like, why are you so left behind? Where Shivani is kind of like he's less. I, I don't want to say a grouchy in this particular uh, moment, but like a lot of times Ross will get grouchy, and like Shivani is like the, the person at his age that, that Ross respects, and Shivani is having such a good time watching this craziness, mm. and like Ross will just be like, well, Tony likes it, so I'll, I'll go along. <laughs> I'll go along for the ride, uh, but. You know, with when you had uh, Golden Boy, you had who's with it with um, Excalibur, and, and they're both like, yeah, like we're 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 on the same frequency, the same wavelength. But like Ross, kind of like, wait, what? Like every three minutes, and it's funny, but it, it's it just shows like the evolution of them always trying to like get this thing better, and they absolutely did when they mm. and they struck gold with Shivani. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. It's funny. A few weeks ago. Me and uh, a guy we both know, Ms. Fan, were talking about Eddie Kingston and how this was a guy who was almost out of the industry. Like he was ready mm-hmm. to hang up his boots. At, at WWE offered him like a coaching position. Uh, and we were like, thank God that AEW saved that and, and brought him back in, and into the biggest picture he's ever been in. And like Tony Schiavone, this was a guy who was like, completely left the industry managing Starbucks, you know? And of course there was the podcast that kind of brought him, brought him back in, but it was AEW that like brought him back in wholesale. And he's just been such a beloved figure in, in AEW. And he's such a great person to have, you know, when they bring him into the ring, he's someone that the heels can get so much heat on because the crowd loves him so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's been, you know, a, a really important part of the Brit Baker act as well. Yeah. So definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more with your, your words on, on Tony there. Uh, so getting into the actual match um, before they lock up, the crowd is sort of split on who to cheer. Uh, and and they, we're getting dueling Young Bucks and Zero Mero. Oh, sorry. It was actually um, Zero Mero and Zero Huevos. Um, no balls. <laughs> As I said, apologies for my Spanish. I did actually speak Portuguese at one point, believe it or not, but uh, not with a very Portu- not with a Braz- very Brazilian accent. So <laughs> it's uh, uh, yeah, the start out back and forth tag team maneuvers where you know both of them go for their finishes early on. 
but both get interrupted and aren't able to land that. Um, Lucha Bros hit an alternative version of the Dudleys like What's Up, um, where instead of going for the flying headbutt, they do a, a shotgun uh, drop kick to the nether regions. <laughs> it's a fast start here, James. Yeah, um, it, it's just fun to watch them together. Uh, as far as the the, uh, the setup to start with with uh, Seto Meadow versus uh, Seto Huevos, I, I, you know, it, it was one of those things that induces an eye roll for me. But um, <laughs> they they didn't do it for long. But uh, but yeah, like the par- the perineum kick is always like <laughs> it's no DQ, so it's fine. But when they do it in a regular match, I'm kind of like. It's not a DQ. He hit him below the, the, the groin. <laughs> but um, but yeah, it was it was great to start. Yeah, uh, it's interesting the crowd picked up on that so quickly. The because the Zero Hevos one was it was just simply like a one-off line from the uh, video package beforehand. Right. And the Young Bucks did kind of try that, like try and show that by their actions, but the crowd immediately picked up on it. So, you know, that was cool. And it just, I guess it goes to show that even early on the, the AEW crowd, they were, they were writing on every word and, and ready to get in there. Um, first ladder usage is by the Bucks. They throw it in the face of Penta and Phoenix uh, as those two go for stereo suicide dives. A lot of back and forth action. You know, a lot of it is tag team maneuvers, like double teaming tag team maneuvers. So there's, there's not a lot of just like solitary stuff happening, which I think is good because that's like emphasizing the fact that this is a team event uh, and it emphasizes how sync, how in sync these two teams are with their partners, which is, you know, a, a sort of story beat that's going to pay off down the line. Um, Phoenix takes the first really big dive. I think it is. Uh, he springboards off the top rope, leapfrogs over a ladder and sort of sent on flips onto the outside onto both the young bucks and Penta lands on his feet and walks away flawlessly executed there. Phoenix just makes like those sorts of things look so easy. And we're just going to see more and more of that going on, particularly like the, the way he just springboarded on that top rope. Yeah. I think that if I was like 10, like right now, Phoenix was probably my favorite wrestler. Mm. Like in the same way that like Rey Mysterio was too, it was like, this dude's, this dude's a superhero. Yeah. He's a superhero. He's like, like I don't a care how character. I do not care how small he is. I don't know. I don't know where people come up with this thing. I do not care. Like he's, he's awesome. But yeah, like we'll, we'll get, we'll get to more insanity uh, coming up because all this thing, all this thing does is escalate. Um, now I did want to just ask you something, James, um, before we get into like the meat of this match, um, because I go back and forth on this issue a lot in my mind. Um, but I want to know how you feel about like the modern wrestling trope of a bunch of wrestlers sort of standing together to make the catch when someone does a big dive. Um, because that's what's happening here. You've got the Young Bucks mm-hmm. and the and Pentagon. They're standing on the entrance ramp. Uh, and the camera does a good way to – like does a good job hiding it. But it's obvious mm-hmm. what's happened. Uh, and it's become something that shows up a lot in AEW. It shows up a lot in all wrestling. It's just something that happens in modern wrestling. Um, and it's something that some people hate, something that other people are just like, yeah, whatever. It's just part of wrestling. So what? And I go back and forth with that. Uh, and I want to know how you feel about that, because that's part of sort of the stunt brawl ladder match. It's just something that's inescapable from it because, you know, you don't want people landing on their backs, essentially. <laughs> right. I think in that particular yeah. dive with the little, on that leapfrog uh, that you're talking about where he basically did the swan time, mm. like, I, I – it comes into question in that particular um, instance because Penta is also helping catch as well. Mm. Um, but I mean, outside of that, uh, like 
what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Not do dives? Yeah. Yeah. Like you, like it. <laughs> I, I don't have much of an issue with it in reason. Like I also watch Stardom, so that kind of excuse my my view, my vantage point because like people do when you do floor dives and Stardom, like they dive into a person plus like whoever's seconding or mm. uh or is on the ring crew at that time. So like a dive off the top rope might be into two or three people. So I don't, you yeah. know, it doesn't really bother me. Uh, I can see why it would bother other people, but it's like, I mean, uh, there, there's some give and take to this. And if it, if it keeps somebody like healthier, I'm, I'm okay with, with, you know, yeah. letting that one go. Yeah. I, as I said, I go back and forth. Like part of me is cause I like, I'm at the same, the same thing. I'm always like, well, you're not going to not have people diving to the outside cause it's such a spectacular thing. Mm-hmm. And as I say, you don't want people just like, ghosting and landing on their head or landing on their back on the outside because that's an insane bump to take and really messes you up so you've got to do something but other times i'm just like man i wish they'd be more creative with how they set these things up instead of making it so obvious but you know what are you going to do i'm not a wrestler so i don't really know um i think there's also um i think also when you look watch AEW early on um a lot of their ways to get to do- or catching floor dives it was kind of sloppily done i think mm. they do better jobs of it now so like is it, i think it's less of an issue now mm. yep yeah anyway look as i said i kind of just wanted to talk about that because as i said it's an, it's an inescapable mm-hmm. part of the stunt brawl ladder match is having people standing around um and you look right. at any of the multi-man matches that happen on any promotion and you'll see mm-hmm. that um, you know, it's not not something that's exclusive to AEW by any right. means. It, yeah, it, it's more is. I mean, I, I find it now at this point, it's kind of less on the wrestlers and more on the camera director or editor yeah. of whatever is um yep. or whoever is putting together uh, what you're looking to be out to watch. Yep. At yep. this point. Absolutely. And as you said, when we we're talking about the actual move, there's more insanity to come. And Excalibur sort of um <laughs> he sort of emphasized right. that he says. What we just saw there is considered relatively t- will be considered relatively tame by the end of this match, and boy oh boy is he correct. <laughs> the the Lucha Bros bring the ladder to the center of the ring under the belts. They begin to climb uh, each side, but then there's like just a series of reversals uh, on both sides, uh, and we get the first of the what I'm going to call like the brother spots because obviously these two teams are, are right. like brothers where in this one Nick and Phoenix end up springboarding simultaneously onto the ladder in the centre of the ring. Um, They trade some blows, only to be brought down by the two older brothers, Pentagon and Matt, uh, who climb up the ladder, take their turn exchanging blows blows off the top rope, and then Phoenix and Nick both hit rolling cutters to bring Matt Matt and Pentagon down. That brother-versus-brother theme um, and those brother-versus-brother sort of exchanges are going to run throughout this entire match. Uh, and, you know, in the rivalry in general, you know, we're going to, we saw it in all out and we're going to see it again when these two teams clash later on down the line. Uh, and just to drive that point home, uh, though that exchange that I mentioned there, it's followed up by double spears through double tables on the outside, uh, with Penta and Max spear, Matt spearing Nick and Phoenix. Um, James, does this brother versus brother storyline and, and story work for you throughout this match? Oh yeah, every time they get together and have matches, they do that. Like they mm. always make a make a point um at all three of their big matches at least that they that they've mm. done in AEW on pay-per-views. They've made a point to highlight and spotlight and showcase Nick Jackson versus Ray Phoenix. I mean, mm. they've even had that match um yep. that was in Indianapolis in I think uh November 2019 on Dynamite. So, 
Um, on the other end, they they always showcase the older brother versus each other. Um, like, and when you see the action, like some of the most spectacular spots in the match are Penta versus Matt, mostly Penta killing Matt. Mm. <laughs> uh, and and like obviously you've got like the high flying of Nick right. and, and Phoenix, but then you've got Matt and Penta. Theirs is almost set up as like a you are you going to protect your younger brother or are you going to let me just take him out? And and that's what happens in the the double spear thing where they eyeball each other and they're like almost playing chicken with each other, being like, are you going to try and interrupt this or are you just going to let me? Um, are you just going to let me take out your younger brother? Are you, how much are you going right. to trust your younger brother can come back from this? Um, which is kind of a, you know, it's an interesting like yeah. younger brother, older brother dynamic. You've got like the protector as the older brother. And then the like the flashy one is the younger brother, um, mm-hmm. like the more like care carefree flashy one is the younger brother. It's a yeah interesting like sort of thing on this, and I think it could be oh he's putting up the guns. <laughs> yes, it, it's it's Hardyism. That's yeah, exactly what Hardyism. it is. It really is. It really is. And obviously these two teams are so influenced by that by that team as well. So you know this is a, a thing that I think could be come across as very contrived if these two teams weren't just absolutely exceptional with the way that they set these matches up and, and make these matches flow. Cause I don't think it comes across as contrived in this match, but it could do if you, you know, if they weren't just so good at making sure these matches feel organic, even though they are obviously very choreographed and very planned out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think uh, they do a pretty good job with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, as we mentioned, this and, and as everyone listening knows, this is a match that is just about insanity. <laughs> this is this is a match that has some of the most crazy, most de- death-defying, <laughs> absolutely batshit mad spots to be pulled off ladders in the history of wrestling. Um, there's so many great ones. I'm just going to run down a list that I wrote of them, and then we'll talk about it. Um, okay. So there's a springboard Harakarana off the top rope by Phoenix on Nick Jackson um, that tosses him onto a ladder. Nick springboards off the apron onto the top rope onto the 12-foot ladder in the center of the ring, um, but then Phoenix pushes it over. Oh, uh, God, yep. As, as he pushes it over, though... He springboards off the top rope onto the other side of the ring, turning it into a senton. So he's going off the ladder. Right. Gracefully lands on the – this is Nick Jackson. Gracefully mm-hmm. lands on the top rope uh, and and then does a senton onto the outside on Penta, only for the next move to be Phoenix getting pushed off by Matt, and he instead lands on the top rope, flips around, and does a – doesn't moonsault off the back so yes. like you know these two guys are just trying to one each one up each other in in terms of what they can do um while they're getting pushed off ladders uh there's a sling braid a sling blade around the ladder by pentagon on matt from halfway up the 12 foot ladder a, Cana- a canadian destroyer where phoenix leaps through the a table Canadian destroyer by Pentagon on Matt off the top of one of the ladders yes. <laughs> through the table in the middle of the ring. Um, I think that's the one where Matt had to like call his wife afterwards or, um, or of course um, Nick and Phoenix simultaneously diving off the top of ladders that are on the outside uh, onto Matt and Pentagon who are lying on the tables. That's another like, you're going to play chicken with me brother mm-hmm. spot. And in between it, these two teams are laying in some like super stiff looking chops and, you know, their normal really flawless double team stuff. James, out of all of this insanity, what was your favorite spot? 
Oh, um, for me, it'd probably be the escalating from Penta is out on the apron and there's a and there's a ladder in between him and I believe it was Nick Jackson and he basically like slingshots himself through like over to the rungs of the over the uh not rungs uh the connecting things that hold the ladder in place and like he's able to then get over the top of that in the rope and then the other side of the ladder in in space and then also like able to be able to turn it into a Canadian destroyer I thought it was sensational and then like seconds later or like a minute later or whatever else they set up the spot to where the ladder is now in the corner and there's a table in the middle of the ring and Penta gives, I believe Matt a Canadian story off the top of the ladder. Like, I mean, that was just <laughs> like, obviously, yeah. you know, it's at, 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 at point now, you know, like a match will not end until there's a spectacular unseen uh, out of nowhere, Canadian destroyer in a Lucha Bros match. <laughs> but at that time it was like, yo, what other things can they think of? Like, what are they going to think of next? Like, it was, it was just sensational. Um, yeah. It was sensational stuff. Yeah. Um, I put out on Twitter last night before before we got on to do this, uh, I said, what was your favorite spot from this match? And um, there's a few people who've replied, so I'll just shout them out. Aiden, hashtag BLM, hashtag Free Palestine. So that's at HLIM, Aiden SDN. Is the, it's the Canadian destroyer through the table because, of course, it is. Um, yeah. you know it's that's an all-time that, spot that would have to be like the trust that they've got in one another like the margin for error on that spot is so crazy and the potential consequences <laughs> landing on a table head first off a it's not off a 12 foot ladder but it's still off a ladder like it's still you know eight ten feet up in the air that's that's absolutely crazy stuff uh and looks absolutely spectacular uh Theo, so that's at Finn Devon. Apart from the obvious spots, I love where the older brothers go for spears through the tables, and then later the younger brothers go for the frog splashes off the top of the ladder. Um, we talk about both of those. And then at MTXMCMG, I'm not even going to try and pronounce that, <laughs> the, the destroyer from the ladders and the, onto the tables for sure. Uh, so, you know, lots of stuff that people remember there. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, there's – all of those things are crazy, but there was just one thing that really popped me that uh, I didn't actually mention in that part because it's not really a spot, but there's this bit where Nick puts a, a um, sharpshooter on Pentagon and then Matt puts the ladder on top of Pentagon and then mm. puts a cross face on him. Uh, and I just loved like in the middle of all of this high flying craziness, that's it like gets really personal and it's almost like we just want to hurt you at this point. Uh, and I loved how gritty that looked where they were both doing it. And then I'm, I can't remember exactly what happens to get out of it, but I'm, I'm sure Ray oh, Phoenix does something crazy Ray, to get, it, get them out of it. Okay. So when they put that ladder on top of, on top of, uh, Penta, yep. um, to, to break it, cause there's no, there's no, you know, yeah. rope break yeah. or anything like Phoenix basically, he climbs up the ladder and they let go to try to get Phoenix off the ladder. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, isn't that smart psychology as well? Right. Like, you know, right. both of them are doing something. Phoenix is free. So, you know, why not climb the ladder, try get the belts and finish this match, you know, win the match. Right. Uh, so, yeah, crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff. Yeah, the sort of the final the final setup of everything, the final, I guess, flurry um, happens where they they set some things up. Nick is at the top of the ladder, gets pushed off. He goes head first through double tables on the outside. He like 
his foot gets caught on the top rope. Obviously, I said how gracefully he managed to land on the top rope beforehand, but this time his foot gets caught as he goes through, and he takes like a head to the table sort of thing. Looks really awkward and really gnarly. Uh, I don't think it was planned to go quite oh, that no. way. And then that gives the Lucha Brothers a two-on-one advantage. Matt then, as he can see that he's outnumbered, so he gets desperate. He rips Pentagon's mask off when they're on the top of the ladder, which gets a huge boo from the crowd. So we sort of said at the start, you've got them acting a bit dickish. And then to as as they get more and more desperate, as Matt feels like the match is nearly out of his grasp and he has to take extreme things, he rips off Penta's mask to try and even up so it's one-on-one. Um, Penta with one hand then pushes the ladder over. Matt falls off it. And then Phoenix drags Matt over to a ladder bridge between the ring and the barricade. Um, and with Penta having got that mask back on, um, they deliver their their finisher, a foot stomp pile driver package combo on the ladder. Uh, in the background, Social Suplex's own. Mm-hmm. Floyd Johnson Jr. loses his mm-hmm. mind. And then, of course, after that, the Lucha Bros, they've completely disabled the Young Bucks, so they're able to climb up the ladder and take the titles and take the win. What did you think of the sort of the final two, final two spots and how they set up the finish for this, James? So everyone remembers the fall or the Canadian Destroyer off the top of the ladder, but, mm. like, the craziest, scariest uh, or second scariest moment of the entire match was Nick Jackson is up on top of that ladder in, like, there's two different height heights of ladders. There's the 12-foot mm-hmm. ladder, and then there's like a 10, 9, whatever, something that's small. Yeah, a bit shorter. Yeah. Right. And the 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 reason why they had the 12 is because like they set the 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 uh, the top the the um the titles up higher than in like most places when you watch historically watch mm-hmm. ladder matches. So like if they had that 12-foot ladder out there, he would have just from the center of the ring been able to have been on the second rung or whatever else mm-hmm. in and been able to have cleared that and just crashed and burned through. Mm. But they're on the shorter ladder, and there's obviously there's no time to say, wait, time out, we need to put another ladder in there. So yeah. as as they go to push slowly, like, he's pushing uh, – I, I think Penta's pushing slow. He's pushing very slowly. And, like, Nick is looking, and you can see him like, oh, shit, I'm not going to make this. This is, a, this is the wrong ladder. And he has to climb up on the whole other rung than he's probably more – than he was probably uh, comfortable with. And then at the point when he's when he's tipping, he's getting tipped slowly. He's at it's, and they're tipping over. He's like, "Oh shit, I'm not going to clear this." So he goes to jump, but nothing doing. He still is in a clipping uh, with mm. his ankles uh, the top rope. And I mean, and by that point, he's like, he has no control of himself. Mm. Um, these these aren't stacked uh, tables. It's one layer of table, and they're uh, next yeah, to each two, other. And, 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 and you watching yeah. them fall, and you're like, "This is going to end bad." I remember watching it live. I was like, "This is horrific." Like I'm and I'm in you know I'm horrified as what's happening and luckily he only <laughs> like he, luckily he only like had one of the gnarliest uh, falls through one layer of table ever. Luckily, <laughs> luckily, yeah. luckily, it, he, by the grace of God, he's not dead or super hurt by that point in time. Isn't it crazy? Because you you mentioned how he, as he's getting pushed, had the presence of mind to step up another rung. Mm-hmm. I mean obviously what a daredevil but like how crazy is that that these people can do that like in the middle of this thing that's happening to them that is absolutely beyond anything that humans should be comfortable doing he's Mm -hmm. got presence of mind to be like oh i'm 
doing the physics in my in my mind right now. I'm Is that judging where I'm going to end up. I need to take a step up and and how do you keep your cool in that situation? Crazy, crazy that they they can do that. I really liked how decisive this finishing was. There wasn't like a sort of what you'd call like an unbelievable comeback. They put Nick through those tables. Absolutely looks gnarly. Should end the match, end the day for him. And then they're two on one. Matt gets desperate, of course, so he tries some, like he tries a hail mary. It doesn't work because he's against two on one. So he, you know, if it had been one on one at that point, he probably would have won because he he took Penta's mask off and and Penta is is then out of, theoretically out of the match. But because it's he's against the team, Phoenix is there ready to take over, uh, and they manage to get the two on one uh, to take it. And then there's no like even attempt for the young bucks to come back because they're out of it they've been taken out and the lucha bros win they just climb the ladder and, and get the titles and i love that there wasn't too much of the um you know the old trope of where they're really slowly trying to climb up the ladder and even though they've just been you know mm-hmm. jumping off jumping off top ropes and flying around the ring suddenly they don't know how to climb a bloody ladder <laughs> right like do all the selling on the ladder not on the mat like go figure yeah. um yeah. Yeah, I, I I did like the finish as well. Like I I'm you know I'm big into um, wrestlers, mass wrestlers. So like I kind of I, I kind of would like any wrestler promotion that I'm watching to have like a don't mess with the mass rule. Like similar mm-hmm. to when you watch like Mexican promotions or you watch like Dragon Gate or Stardom. So um so like once he pulls the mask, it's like. You know, we've seen that before where, like, you know, Rey Mysterio and ladder matches, like, this spot was like, oh, pull his mask, and obviously he's going to cover his face, mm-hmm. and then, you know, person goes and grab, or, you know, like, I like the idea that, okay, you want to do that? You're going to die for that. Yeah. <laughs> like, just know, just know you have signed your own death certificate if you want to if you want to raise his level of disrespect. Okay. Um. So, yeah, like, I, I, I felt like, um, I felt like that was a, appropriate, the reaction where they were like, okay, you want to do that? I'm going to get my mask back. Me and my brother are going to like are going to package going power to drive you on a on a ladder bridge in yep. front of Floyd and Tiffany. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and and the crowd hated as well, uh, which is yeah. Given even though the Young Bucks are like this beloved crowd, uh, these beloved figures, you know, a year ago they're the ones that put them and Cody are the ones that t- took up that bet and put people into All In. Uh, in mm. the same arena, but you know this year they're getting booed because he's doing something that's dastardly and that you shouldn't do. Uh, so yeah, it's it's good. It's a great ending to the match. I, I love the ending to the match. I think it also sets the tone for when he eventually gets to the cage match too. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and interesting as well that in come the biggest matches that they've had, even though the Young Bucks have won the first one, Lucha Bros are now two one up uh, in mm-hmm. in that rivalry. Post-match, before we get into sort of the legacy talk of this match and, and, and you know, where it fits in the legacy of both of these guys' careers and against other matches, of course, post-match, um, the Lucha Bros, they're posing on the match and two men come in dressed in a Bill Clinton and JFK mask. They walk into the ring and they level both teams. Uh, they take off their mask to reveal it's a debuting Santana and Ortiz. Uh, what did you think of this post-match beatdown, James? Watching it back it made me think of what I thought in real time, which is like, why is it taking so long for them to reveal themselves? Like, are they just not going to unmask? And then like at, at a later show, they will finally do that. Um, like they, they, they milked it for, for all it was worth. And then some, <laughs> um, but yeah, like, 
I, I feel like most people already knew or that, you know, if you watched Impact, like once you see the Street Sweeper, you already knew who they were. Mm. But, um, yeah. you know, I had only at that point, in time, I'd only watched Slammiversary 2000. I think that's 18 um, when, you know, it's LAX versus OG. So like, I was unfamiliar with their moves because that was like mostly like a, a, a you know, a, a tag team tornado death match. So um, is that the one that so, yeah. floorboards? Uh, I remember a lot. I just remember yeah. a lot of it might, may have been, but I do remember. There at that point in time, there was a lot, and I mean a lot of uh, trash lids, and like someone almost getting cut with a trash lid. Uh, but yeah, like I mean, because that's Slumverse 2018. That's one of the better shows yeah. ever in America. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I, I just remember at the time thinking like I'm I'm not familiar. Like I know them. I know they've had great. I know I've seen them have a great match before. But like um, I'm unfamiliar with my woman, and I'm you know mm-hmm. I'm itch, I'm excited to see what they can do with this great tag division. And you know they've been a They've been a a a very good team in AEW. I mm. think when they've been in there with some of the top teams, they've been great. And like mm. eventually they'll get the run. And when they are, like I'm 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 ready for it because like you know, it, at this point in time, there's so many tag teams. It's like it's it's your turn now. It's mm. it's not yeah. about being the ace because the ace will always be um, the young bucks. Yeah. But it's about like it's your turn with the belts and it's your turn to have big matches on pay per views. And like right now, it's um it's Jurassic Express, uh, one so one day, eventually, hopefully soon, it will be Santana and Ortiz. It's interesting, just as a note, Excalibur introduces them as Los Puerto Ricans in this, and the scuttlebutt, mm. of course, around this is that, and around the start of Dynamite, is that originally they were they'd lined up the Good Brothers to be in the inner circle, and I, I don't know, just the, when I heard that they were introduced as Los Puerto Ricans instead of Proud and Powerful. I was like, were they at this point here in this moment? Were they set up to be part of the inner circle, or were they going to mm. be something separate? Because um, you know, obviously the inner circle forms at the end of the first Dynamite, um, but there's and there's no hint of anything to do with Chris Jericho. Of course, the next right. the next match they're completely they're not uh, completely uninvolved. Um, the next match being, of course, the main event, Chris Jericho versus Hangman Page. So I don't know. Just in my mind, I was just thinking, mm. I wonder. I wonder where this fits in terms of the backstage negotiations happening. And at this point, was this team slated for a slightly different role than what they ended up in um, by the time the first Dynamite comes around? Could be, but like I'm not sure we'll find out Like whenever Jericho makes another book. <laughs> hey, I'll buy it. I'll buy, I'll buy any Chris Jericho book at this point. <laughs> I even bought his self-help book. I don't know why, but I did. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris, Chris Irvine made a self-help book? Yeah, it's about saying yes. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. It's like I've yes is a four-letter yeah. word or something. Like, no is a four-letter right, word. Right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. I mean, the guys live quite a life. He's a rock star wrestler. Like that's pretty impressive stuff. <laughs> um. Anyway, look. Uh, let's get into the the questions about the legacy of this match. We've covered the actual match itself. Um, my first question is: at the time, uh, Meltzer even brought this up on on the Observer podcast afterwards, uh, and there was there was talk around the community about it. Should this have been the main event of All Out? Of course, it was the most spectacular of the matches, being the ladder match. Uh, and they had said at the very start of AEW that they wanted to make tag team a, a main event, tag team wrestling a main event prop, proposition. Uh, and in hindsight, this was the match that stole the show. Do you think it should have main evented, or were they right to main event with the AEW Championship match? It, it's. It's difficult with this one because like we're we're judging the um 
where Hangman was at the time. Mm. But seeing where he, so I mean, I for me at the time, for my interest, it was the Young Bucks match. Mm. Uh, I was it was the match we're talking about that it, it made me want to watch the most. However, the Young Bucks and Lucha Bros are not the star that Chris Jericho is or was, whatever you want to call it. it whatever tense you want to throw on is still the mm. case, right? Um, so you're you're having your inaugural champion um, be crowned here. You got to do it. You you have to make mm. that the match. Um, can it follow it? No. Was anyone expecting it to follow it? No. But looking, but with the benefit of hindsight, like they absolutely had to do that. They absolutely mm. had to. If uh, if the word is that like Tony Khan knew who his first four champions were and Heyman was going to be the fourth champion then you have to put him in the main event there to then fail and get this storyline that we got between um, the Young Bucks and, and Paige and Omega. So, yeah, like, it, you know, it, it, so, like, ultimately, at the time, I see why he felt, why Meltzer and other people felt that way, but, like, the biggest star at that time was Jericho. Jericho was going to be the Buddy Rogers of the promotion where, like, mm-hmm. he's going to be the first champion he's going to do hand it off to someone else to give that rub of big name somewhere else to now, mm-hmm. you know, breathe life and credibility into the belt and the championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that was important, and it had to main event for that reason. And then you throw in the part where it's like, well, look where Hangman is now. Like, and they mm-hmm. knew, and, they, and that was, was the, maybe it didn't, they didn't all twist and turns to get there, but like their plan was to make him a, their champion eventually in the first mm-hmm. few years of the company. So like, yeah, it made it. So like with a bit of a hindsight, it makes even more sense then than at the time where it was like, yeah, I don't know. Now it's like, well, you know, <laughs> uh, people make this joke about um, Omega and Hangman about like how they opened the AEW World uh, Eliminator Tournament final. Mm-hmm. Um, they opened full gear, 2020. full gear 2020. And then like they're in the main event is like, yeah. Like this is King's Road. Yep. <laughs> like this is King. This is King's Road. Sorry, it just is. Yep. Takes a while to walk down that road, but you get there eventually. <laughs> yeah. How do you think this match compares to the other Young Bucks Lucha Bros matches? Particularly, obviously, we've got the Double or Nothing match, and then two years later, yeah, two years later, mm-hmm. they have the the Cage match at All Out 2021. That I guess is is the well, that's actually the next time these two teams meet, just in terms of these yeah. this this partnership. But there's of course mm-hmm. some matches with Eddie Kingston and Pac substituting in for various parts of this of this all. Um, yeah, yeah, Moxley as well um, for various yeah, parts time, of this there team. There was a time yeah. like in early 2021 where like Moxley and Phoenix were a tag team of the year yeah. contender. <laughs> I that was, what a weird team, but that was really yeah. enjoyable. Um, as far as like the uh, between. The, these particular four, I think it's the second best tag match I've ever seen them have, uh, or not tag, but the second best match those four ever had. Um, and I, I thought it was one of the best matches of 2019. Now, which is to say, I mean, I don't know how much that's saying because like every match they have is like a match of the year. <laughs> it's one of the best matches of the year um, in AEW. So I remember at the time I, I gave this match easy five stars. Um, I forgot where I ranked it in my favorite matches of 2019 AEW or for for like all wrestling, but it was way up there. Um, I don't, I'm not a, I, I think last year I gave like four matches, four five stars, mm. all last year. So like I'm not a person that's like oh you know 20 matches five stars, I'm not, even mm. though there probably are about that many, but whatever. Um, yeah. obviously it's, you know it's discretion, but um, mm. yeah I, I thought that this match is easy. Easy five stars. 
I don't go over five stars. I'm, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not giving six and seven stars. I'm not doing it. Just five. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it. But um, great match. Um, and then I, I, I probably think the first match was like four and three quarters about yep. in their cage match um, from uh, 2021. Like that's an easy five star one of the greatest matches of all time. Mm. So, um, I, I, so I'll put it a healthy second. Mm. Yeah. One of the things I love about the partnership these guys have is it's not particularly when they do like the steel cage or the ladder match. Um, typically in modern wrestling, you've got I, with these kinds of matches, you've got like story versions of these, of these types of matches, or you've mm-hmm. got stunt versions of these types of matches. Mm-hmm. And I feel like both of these, like both of this and the cage match managed to do both things. Uh, obviously we talked about the brother versus brother stuff in this They're They're sort of having a game of chicken with each other um, throughout. And that's, not just emphasized in the way they're like jaw jacking in the way they set up the match, but it's also emphasized in the way they pull out their spots as well. And, and for me, that's fantastic because I do get very desensitized and quickly uninterested in the ones that are purely just there for the spectacular stunts. You know, it is cool to watch, but it's something that, you know, once you've seen someone jump off a ladder, you've kind of end up seeing it all after they've done it a few times. So I, I, I get very sick of these sorts of matches very quickly. If then there isn't something more that's engaging me, um, like <clears throat> you'll, you'll probably not be surprised to realize that to, to know that one of my favorite ladder matches is Dean Ambrose versus Seth Rollins. And the reason for that is because they do have, of course, some, some stunts, but the, the bulk of it is made up of, these two and the story and the rivalry that these two have uh and and the way that they even finish the match is both of them coming down still grasping onto the title and fighting on it on the canvas um and i, I love the, the story and the character and all that in that match uh but the these two teams managed to get both the story that I, I really like but also the spectacular stunts and when they can get that and mash it together man it's it's such an incredible combination to have. Uh, and yeah, I, I think I do like the cage match a little bit more. Um, but rewatching this match, I just fell in love with it all over again. Uh, and, and I'm really interested to see where the cage match comes in when we do the, the next version of the definitive match guide, when I get people to vote Way on that. Um, cause up. obviously this one came in, it was the second best tag match on the second highest tag tag team match on the definitive match guide behind the bucks versus hangman page and kenny omega uh, and of course also behind the stadium stampede i'm not sure if i can't call that a tag team match or not it's something that's a little bit uh a little bit more you know it's a cinematic match essentially um between two teams but yeah this this ladder match while it's second, that's second in a very high, highly ranked rivalry. Comparing it to other ladder matches, obviously I brought up that that Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins one because that's my personal take. But the obvious, the most obvious comparison for this match is against the the really famous Dudley's Edge and Christian and Hardy Brothers TLC series. Um, of course, the triangle ladder match they had at WrestleMania six, uh, WrestleMania seventeen. WrestleMania 16, sorry, uh, and then the oh, SummerSlam match. Didn't they, they have had the, back to back or no? Yeah, yeah, they had they had the the triangle ladder match at WrestleMania. SummerSlam they oh, had no. the TLC uh, tables, ladders, chairs. My God, <laughs> and then they had the and then they had the the WrestleMania again. Um, they did another TLC match. 
obviously there's a direct line between that match and the insanity that those matches were and this match and the insanity that this match is. What? How do you think this rates compared to those TLC matches? Um, as far as uh, historical significance to the uh, significance to North American professional wrestling or wrestling in general uh, is probably be is probably you still have to go with the TLC Dudley uh, Christian and Edge Hardy stuff. Um, as far as a rewatch thing, I think that these matches, I think that this match and mm. in, in like um, in other Young Bucks matches, smoke the TLCs from now. I mean, it's just a every single year you're going to see a crazier and crazier mm. spots in these ladder matches only going to escalate. So, I mean, it's just natural. Like I'm not, I'm not about to pretend like a ladder match from two, from 1995 or from 1996 or from, or from, mm. from, or sorry, 94, 95 is going to match up with like the best things we've seen, you know, year to year now um, mm. in ladder matches. Like it, it's too crazy. People, the, the, yeah. the stunts are too ridiculous. Like, I'm sorry. We've come like, a long way since Shawn yeah. Michaels diving, doing a frog splash off uh, an eight foot ladder was considered right. insane. <laughs> right. And I love, and I love that match, but like, I'm not about to pretend it is better than like the, the generico and steam ladder war stuff. No, I can't. Yeah. That's a, that, that that would be disingenuous. Yep. Yep. I would say in comparing this with the, the Dudley's Hardy's and, and edge and Christian matches, the level of chaos in those matches seems to be ratcheted up a, te- a, a, a tad because you've got the extra bodies in there. There's just like more That's stuff true. happening. Um, and particularly, you know, when you get to the WrestleMania 17 one, you've then got the run-ins as well. So you've, as well as having, you know, six people, you've got the three <laughs> like extras that end up popping up and also pulling out their own crazy spots. So I'd say they've probably got like the element of chaos a little bit more, but yeah, yeah. in terms of, the as we said before the story the stunts like this is this is incredible stuff um and yeah if you're just going match for match and taking the historical legacy out and the influence that those matches had then yeah this one's definitely definitely probably a hair in front like more than a hair in front um now the as we mentioned these guys they've got like a historic rivalry in the young bucks versus the lucha bros uh I'm I'm someone who came to wrestling relatively late compared to most people. I didn't watch it when I was a child. Um, mm-hmm. So I sort of came, started watching wrestling in the late noughties. Uh, and of course I've gone back and watched some stuff, but there's just some stuff you, you can't absorb unless you lived through it. Uh, but I wanted to know, yeah. James. That's a real nice way of saying it. That shit don't hold up. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, I mean, it's really nice that you say it that way. Yeah, because because I I am of the opinion now that I don't think there's anyone that can match the Young Bucks. Uh, like you talk the Usos, you talk the New Day. They're the two teams that everyone brings up where they're talking about who's the greatest tag team in the world, and I just don't think you could say that those guys, even FTR, like you can't you can't look at the most recent run they had with the belt and say anyone has come remotely close to doing what the Young Bucks did in that rivalry. The closest you've got is probably the revival in 2016, but even then, it's like you're not having that many great matches against that many diverse kinds of opponents. But I guess my question is. How does how does this rivalry and these two teams rank like historically? Because I, I wasn't watching tag team wrestling in you know the eighties nineties when it theoretically was like it theoretically mm-hmm. was a big deal. Uh, of course, like the noughties and the teens in 
for tag team wrestling in the WWE. It's had moments where, you know, you've had like a really great rivalry between the Usos and the New Day, but that's like, uh, you know, Vince McMahon's interest in tag team wrestling for three months. And then all of a sudden it doesn't matter anymore for, for three years. And, and, you know, then they'll pull it out again uh, because for some reason he's interested in tag team wrestling again. Um, so, you know, if, if those two teams may be better, they just don't have the platform to do it. But in, you know, in the past, potentially there's teams that did have, have that platform. What, what do you think, James? I mean, personally for me, I, I will go with them as, as number one for robbery. Cause you know, I'm, I'm really big on, um, rewatch match of the year, uh, type of stuff. Like I'm, I'm really big on match. I'm, I'm bigger on. Let me phrase that. I'm bigger on match than I am with build. So, um, so for me, like that's that's my bias coming into play. Like if you don't think that the young bucks are or have a slew of great um tag feuds with people, then like that's your opinion. I'll think you're insane, <laughs> but like that's your opinion. You're entitled to it. Uh, to it. Uh, I, I just think that um. Given the stages, the arenas, the buildings, the crowd reaction, the stuff they do, the innovation, you know, the spectacularness of it. Like, I, I just think that they're just ahead of all the other tag team feuds um, that have been around. Um, and, you know, just the talent level of those guys. Like, I know there are a lot of people that don't like Young Bucks matches because in I, and I, at times I can feel like this, the same thing at times, like how sometimes stuff can feel contrived, like the spots or whatever else. Mm-hmm. And 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 I I agree at times, right? Like I think that match they had early last year with Jericho on, I think that was uh, Revolution. Yeah, with Jericho and MJF. Yeah, I I, yeah. I I I I'm just checking out on that. I'm just like, mm. okay, so like everybody has like field of vision. It's like 45 degrees. Like everyone has <laughs> blinders on, like horses. Uh, <laughs> so um so yeah, like I I get that, but like over and over and over, like six times a year they give you something just like wow. Yeah. Um and. You know, they're in a put themselves in a position to to have matches with a bunch of other talented tag teams that do this and take and uh, take advantage of that. And like so evolution bros. So like when they've gotten together, like it's been special. I, I just think it's best. Like, is it my favorite? Like, do I like personally for my flavor? Like, I, give me give me um, FTR and DIY or sorry, revival and DIY for my per- personal mm. personal flavor of what I want tag wrestling to be. But like, I'm not about to pretend like this because it's not my 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 bag 100% like that I'm not with it and like I look if you want to talk about um 90s all japan I got nothing for you like mm. I, I I've watched maybe like two or three of those matches ever like I've watched more of the um I watched my all japan frame reference more of watching Masawa matches singles mm. matches and, and you know and a few kabashi matches I don't have I don't have anything on the tag team rest mm. from there like same thing for all japan women's like Aja Kong and Manami Toyota singles matches, I got that for you. Mm. Their tag matches, bite like Jungle Jack and Toshio Yamada and, and Manami Toyota, I, I don't have anything on that. I, mm. I don't. I just don't. So I can't. I can't help you with that with the Japan side of the tag yeah. team wrestling. I can't. And and both of us were like two years old when you know the 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 Midnight Express and Rock and Roll Express right, were right, doing their right. thing in the eighties. So right. Yeah. And I, I watched a couple. I watched a couple of those matches and they're very good. But it's, like we said, like. Yeah. they're good for their era they're not wrestling for me they're wrestling for my parents yeah <laughs> um yeah i think the two you know modern day the 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 rivalries you compare this one to obviously i mentioned uso's new day um the other one is revival diy uh then you've got like undisputed era and mustache mountain had like a really great oh yeah oh yeah um which that's was, more my speed too yeah um that match where 
they threw in the towel. That was something special, man. That was something special. But even even in comparison, I think these guys have have got them covered uh, with the three matches they've had in in AEW, and of course the rivalry is going to go on. And then if you throw in the like the various incarnations where you had Puck and Ray Phoenix, as we mentioned, Moxley and Phoenix right. and Eddie Kingston and Penta um, against the Young Bucks incredible stuff and you know then of course you've got the trios stuff that they've had where you throw right. in you know kenny omega's not exactly going to detract from a match <laughs> when you throw right. him into the as well so yeah i think i think these this rivalry is is a really historic rivalry for a good reason right uh, like you mentioned um like you mentioned mustache mountain versus like undisputed like roddy and um roddy and in o'reilly uh, like yep yeah like you have that but it's like it's three of them like yeah. There is there are so many AEW variations of Young Bucks versus um versus Lucha Bros. It's like it's just undeniable. It's just it's staggering how many times they they went out there and had a match. It's like oh that's one of the best matches that you'll see all year. Yep. Oh that one. Oh that one too. Yeah. What happens when they what happens when like the teams actually team together? Look out. Well, even I mean, even if you look at the the definitive match guide, which for those of you who didn't who weren't didn't see the actual list when it got put out, um, I messaged a number of different writers and commentators from around the the internet wrestling community and got them to rank their top fifteen matches. Um, so and then we got the results, which was a top fifty list. And even within that, you've got obviously number one number the top tag team matches the the kenny omega and adam page versus the young bucks but then you've got mm-hmm. at number five the young bucks versus lucha bros this match then you've got the match that they had at double or nothing at 18 you've got nick jackson versus ray phoenix as number 29 the singles match they had mm-hmm. later on down the line you've got at number 40 you've got the young bucks versus pack and ray phoenix like <laughs> and this is people who you know, when you're creating these lists, sometimes you go, well, I've got to throw my vote around multiple different teams. But, you know, this one rivalry has got so much love in just this right. this one top 50 list that I've got. Um, and no other team, show, no other rivalry shows up like that. Uh, the only other one that's got rivalry that's got multiple entries really uh, is John Moxley and Kenny Omega and Cody and Darby Allen. Um, Makes sense. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, now, as far as people that are listening, that are like, you know, what about the Usos in the New Day? Now, if you're asking me, I would say that like they probably had the same number of great matches together, but like we're talking about a different stratosphere of match. Mm-hmm. Like if they, if you're saying like it cut it off at four stars, if you will, who's had who's had you know what variations have had more uh, mm-hmm. great matches? It's probably kind of similar. But once you say like once you say cut it off at four and a half, it's like it would be like three to one mm. at mm. that point in time, or pro- actually really like five or five or six to one. <laughs> yeah. Um, as I said, absolutely incredible match here. Uh, we've been raving about it for over an hour. <laughs> um, right. James, I've, I've asked all the questions that I've got down. Is there anything you'd like to add on there um, before we get out of here? And if not, just, just let the good people know where they can find you. Um, I think I've said this in passing to Rich, like off air, when when you know inevitably you'll see something on Twitter that that delves into Young Bucks versus um, Usos, and I'm just like, God, it's not again. Don't do this. <laughs> um, like when people when people do this, like I get it, 
but it's but it's often like is is framed it's never framed as like I legitimately think that the the Usos are better than the Young Bucks. It is I don't think that the the Young Bucks are are that hot of a of a of that big of a deal. And I'm just like, well, if you don't, why, how come no one ever just brings up the Lucha Bros? Lucha Bros, like if you think the Young Bucks are the the, set, the greatest tag team of the era ever, whatever, whatever or you've never seen, whatever. Fine. I want to find out who is who, like who number two is, and why are you not saying the uh, the Lucha Bros? They're incredible. They're yep. incredible. I love them. Like um, they're my favorite tag team in AEW to watch um, on a consistent basis. Like I think Phoenix is incredible. Like Tony Khan, if you were listening to this, please make my boy a AEW. I'm sorry, a um, not an AEW world champion. That might be too high of a price, but like he's got to be at least a TNT champion at some point. Like he's spectacular. Like I know you're worried about the injuries. Never mind that. Never mind that. Overlook that. We're just worried about trying to get these great matches off. Like. When you want to see him in a in a uh, TNT title match versus Sammy Guevara or Darby Allen or whoever else, Jay Lethal, like he's just great. He's just great. And Pinto, same thing. Like make like that one that he had um, in the Eliminated Tournament uh, in 2020. Like he was great too. Like those guys, however you want it, singles, trios, tags, whatever, mm. plug and play, go out there and go crazy. Hundred percent agreed. And. Yeah, I won't get into it because we are fast running out of time. Uh, but, James, where can the good people find you? Obviously on One Nation Radio, but where can they find you if they want to chat to you uh, on Twitter or elsewhere? Oh, uh, you can find me on Twitter at JamesBoyd87. Um, come correct. That's all I'll say. Just come <laughs> correct. Like, if you come with me in nonsense, I don't have time for it. Yeah. James is always someone who who doesn't apologize for his opinion, and I love that about him. Um, it certainly got us into some fun discussions over over time. So, look, mate, I really appreciate you spending some time with me here talking about this match, uh, and. Yeah, I look forward to getting you on again sometime down the line. Uh, if you want to talk to me about this match or the Young Bucks and the Lucha Bros, uh, you can find me on Twitter, Sir underscore Samuel. Thank you for joining us today. Um, really appreciate it. Really appreciate appreciate you coming on as well, James. And yeah, if you did enjoy the podcast today, you can rate and review it on the so on your um, podcast app of choice. You can even make donations to us if you like what we're doing here. Um, you can find that at Red Circle. Links will be in the description. But thank you for joining us and make sure you join us again next week for another episode of the AEW Matchbox Podcast. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the AEW Match Guide Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, then you can subscribe on the podcast app of your choice so you never miss an episode. Also, feel free to let me know on Twitter at Sir underscore Samuel. I'd love to hear from you. The AEW Match Guide Podcast is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network, where you can find many other fantastic podcasts discussing not just AEW, but all parts of the world of professional wrestling. Looking forward to seeing you again next week. I'm Sam Brown.